0: Today, the banking sector got hit really, really, really hard. And it started yesterday. And the reason why, we, we'll we get into the Silicon Valley situation because I know there's a lot there to unpack. But mm-hmm. it started off with the, quote, voluntary liquidation mm-hmm. of Silvergate Bank.
1: Right. So it started yesterday and that date was March 8th.
0: Yeah. So if you guys recall, Silvergate was a crypto bank that I may have taken a couple pot shots at in previous episodes where I said, They were absolutely out of their fucking mind doing some of the stuff they were doing. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. Relax your mind and get ready for a different kind of podcast, where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard.
1: Welcome back to the show, everybody. In today's episode, we're going to talk about how the Dow took a 570-point hit, what the hell is going on with unemployment. We'll get into some of Jerome Powell's talking points that he had in front of the Senate and the House. And then we'll talk about the Joltz report and private payrolls. And then Chris has a lot to say about banks.
0: Oh, my God. I've got so much anger and rage built up inside me. A
1: lot came out on banks today.
0: A lot just happened the last couple of days. And the part that's frustrating is, is I think that some people don't understand and recognize how serious what's going on is. There's one thing for us to come on this show and we talk about the news and we try to just. mantle a lot of this disinformation we try to do this not in a non-biased way and i know sometimes people are like oh man it's negative because we're reading negative news i'm gonna scare the shit out of some people today i know that going in yeah jump street i know okay because i am very very scared about the stuff i saw today the stuff that happened a couple of days ago mm-hmm. jerome powell's commentary to the senate mm-hmm. i mean there's a lot going on and it's it's incredibly scary because I only remember I can only recall two other times in history that I've seen some of the stuff I've seen in the last couple of days. Really? One, October twenty ninth, nineteen twenty nine.
1: The Great read, Depression. That, that you read about.
0: The Great Depression. Right. I mean, I certainly wasn't alive I mean. then. I don't think anyway. Yeah. The other one was the Great Recession.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow.
0: And what's happening right now scares me more. It scares you more? It scares me more. And because that- those things those things weren't as telegraphed as what's happening right now. And there wasn't a denial back then. Like people were legitimately afraid. Mm-hmm. And I think the fear is starting now. Yeah. But I think the scariest part about the fear starting now is we're too late. There's, we're all late to the party. There, there's no way to correct it. Yeah. There's no way to correct it. And, and Jerome Powell, we'll get into some of his commentary in front of the Senate. He's basically said, like, this is happening. Right. So let's jump it off. Sell-off gains steam. Dow falls 300 points as Powell comments spark fears of higher rates for longer. This was from live updates posted by CNBC. Mm -hmm. And I'll just give you a quote right out the gate. The latest economic data have come in stronger than expected, which suggests that the ultimate level of interest rates is likely to be higher than previously anticipated. Powell said in remarks prepared for two appearances this week on Capitol Hill. Quote, If the totality of the data were to indicate that faster tightening is warranted, we would be prepared to increase the pace of rate hikes, end quote.
1: Wow, wow, wow.
0: Yeah, he came in hot.
1: Yeah, he's like, I'm not messing around. So for everyone that was wondering why he was on Capitol Hill, so this is part of the semi-annual monetary policy report that he goes in front of Congress. One day he spends in front of Senate and the other day he's, he spends in front of the House.
0: So typically speaking in the past, mm-hmm. these have not been sensational things. Yeah. When you think about it in the context of when you're had, you've you had 14 years of artificial interest rate deflation and there hasn't been a whole lot that's happening, you typically saw more of a partisan approach to, hey, what's the the – the Fed's mindset as it relates to agriculture, as it mm-hmm. relates to ESG, or in every single person who was up there was essentially politicking with their questions to appeal to their base. Right. Like a state that was heavy in farmers. They wanted to ha- ask questions that impacted the farmers in their state because Absolutely. that's how they get
1: reelected. Makes sense.
0: Well, this year, this year was a little sexier. <laughs> there was a lot of questions about whether or not the Fed should be doing what they're doing. And the funny thing about all of this. Yeah. The most hilarious part about all this is the Fed is elected by the Senate, right, or chosen by the Senate, and then confirmed by the President, right. So they do have some kind of partisan political past, right? Because if uh, the Senate was controlled by Republicans, mm-hmm. it's generally the Republicans who get you in, the, you know, get you into the position, right? If the President's Republican, it's usually Republican, you know, or Democrat mm-hmm. that, that'll, you know, confirm you. Whatever the case may be, we'd like to think that there's no political ties here, but there is a little bit, right. And then because they, they're not a government agency. They're not a government agency. But the irony is if listen the, if you listen to this, this event, but I listened to both days, and you listen to the senators or the people from the House, the representatives speaking to them, mm-hmm. they acted like they were like they had some choice in this. Yeah Yeah, exactly. But they acted like they had influence. Like questioning whether they should have him removed. And, and, and the irony is if you watched it again, yeah, and you, you're just not used to this, you're like, damn, like they got some influence. Nope. Yeah. He's yeah. doing them a favor by showing up and talking to them, right? Exactly. Let me let you guys know what I need to do. Yeah, let me answer your questions for you.
1: Right. So he actually goes in there with prepared remarks first, and then he opens up for Q and A.
0: Yeah, and the yeah. Q and A is the five minute typical session style where they catch you off a gavel right. a hammer. It's very, it's very formalized. But right. So remember, they're,
1: in his in their last meeting, they last the FOMC last met February first, mm-hmm. right before all the hot prints started coming out, like around Valentine's Day. And after that, right? That's when yep. the last CPI report came out. So he, after all these hot reports, he came out. And here's some, here's some additional quotes that he had. There is little sign of disinflation thus far in the category of core services, which accounts for more than half of core consumer expenditures. He said, we need to bring down core services inflation by, quote, softening the labor market conditions. Translated loosely, I need y'all to lose your jobs. Yeah. Okay? So like- yeah. But that's his way of tiptoeing. He, he said he it in a very out, elegant way, he man. Can't, he can't come out and say, because that's a bad look. He can't, can't come out and say, I need more people to lose their jobs, right? Because when he was pressed on it later about a, a softening labor market, what he was saying is, I just want some of the job opening numbers to come down, but that's not going to help the situation. No. Well, he needs people to lose their jobs.
0: No. And that, that's that's one of the most common misconceptions that I see from people who I would call or describe as not financially literate. Yeah. They do not understand, and we've said it on the show a thousand and one times, the natural byproduct of what the Fed's monetary policy that is happening right now, mm-hmm. the natural byproduct, unemployment numbers go up, wages come down, home prices come down. Right. You have to accept that.
1: Yeah. And, and here's the part that really frustrates me. A lot of these people that are sitting in Congress, they're bright people. They know what's really going on. Okay? Oh, 100%. They, they know what he needs to do in order to get the job done. Something one thing that really bothered me was, did you see what Elizabeth Warren was saying to him?
0: I do not. I do not like Elizabeth Warren. Uh,
1: no, okay, neither do I. But that's besides the point. Let's not let's not get our uh, our views in on this.
0: But how she handled that conversation, it was. I'm like, I know you know better. Because oh, she's mass, She can teach a master class at acting acting ignorant on shit that she knows. She said,
1: uh, Mr. Jerome Powell, uh, I see that the Fed has predicted that unemployment rate should be at four point six percent by the end of the year. Um, we're currently at 3.4%. Yeah. In order in order to get there, <laughs> we would need two million jobs roughly to get lost by then. What do you have to say to those two million hardworking people out there that are gonna have to lose their jobs? Speak to them. And he's like, What do you want me to do? Should we all just live with this high inflation for the rest
0: of our lives? Yeah, essentially. And that that's that's the part about Elizabeth Warren that's always just ass backwards. She takes this tax sometimes and, and she ta- it's like the unfathomable, non-realistic view of society mm-hmm. and she straps it on her back saying you know what i'm gonna appeal to the people that don't understand this and right. i'll be a people of a person for the people and it's like no man you're you're preaching bullshit mm-hmm. to get people to like you to to want to, i mean it's just it's crazy to me mm-hmm. But it's just what happened. So here, uh, Arun pulled up an article from Insider, which questionable source, brother. Uh, Elizabeth Warren asked Fed Chair Powell to, quote, speak directly and, quote, to the people he's planning to get fired over the next year by continuing to hike interest rates.
1: That's not what he's trying to do. Bro, <laughs> he's trying to get you fired. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to get us all trying fired. Trying to get me fired, trying to get us all fired. Right. So, like, the, the thought process behind this, right, is with low unemployment, which we're currently at, 3.4%, we've talked about it on the show. Very unhealthy number,
0: right? She's a senator in Massachusetts, right? Yes. Shame on you, Massachusetts. Yeah. <laughs> Shame on you. <laughs> You're coming after Massachusetts? Y'all could do better than this. We ain't got no fans. I in believe this. in you. Boston strong. Massachusetts failed. Yeah, That's th- all I'm saying. A little weak. A little weak. Yeah. Y'all could have done better. A lot better. Anybody.
1: <laughs> anybody?
0: Pick anybody else in the state. I will say, I, I did like how, I remember back in the day,
1: she was grilling the uh, Wells Fargo CEO.
0: Yeah, that was and hilarious. That was hilarious. I'm not, not going to take that away from I've, her. That I, was good. That was good. She yeah. got
1: she got him good. Yeah, I'm not going to take but that away from the her. The thought process behind this, right, is with low unemployment, which we're currently at 3.4%, right? Very unhealthy number, right? That equals a higher demand for employees and offering higher wages, which in turn, the price of goods and services go up in order to maintain profits, right? That's what needs to happen. That only creates the need for, for more increases to wages to keep up. So- there's wage inflation. The only way to bring wage inflation down is for people to lose their jobs.
0: Yes. So it, it's it's just simple. It's it, it just these these are non debatable positions, in the yeah. fact that people are just now getting it, like where was Elizabeth Warren mm-hmm. when the Fed started tightening? Yeah, literally in the very beginning. Yeah, seven, eight increases ago. Like where were you then? Yeah, yeah. Like, exactly. It's the same result. It's just mm-hmm. now you're feeling it. Yeah. So now it's, it's a thing? Well, now you're starting to see. It's right around the corner. You see what's about to happen. Oh, it's already happened. And, and- this, this is the part that pisses me off. And if you're listening to the show and you haven't given us an honest five-star review, now's the time because we're going to bless you with some serious knowledge later on in the show. And I don't want you to forget to do it because you're going to be so blown away. You're going to call your friends and celebrate all the things you just learned. So before you get there, <laughs> go ahead and do that now. And if you're driving, put your car in autopilot <laughs>
1: <laughs> and make that happen. Unless you got, unless you got a mile wide, because that steering wheel might pop off.
0: Oh, that's a new thing. Yeah, that is crazy. Yeah, I got to. honest I've never been a fan of the yoke steering wheel anyway. <laughs> So my wife's like, let's upgrade. I'm like, baby, I can barely drive with a round steering wheel. Yeah, you take away the top half, I'm gonna die.
1: Yeah, but uh, that's where I rest my wrists. I yeah, mean, I, I need, I'm not gonna hold it like this. Yeah, I can't look like a gangster with, a, you know, holding the sides. That's, that's so uncool. It looks like I'm holding a giant fork. Elon, you're better than that. That's yeah. not
0: very cool. It's not cool. But I, I mean, I guess it was sexy.
1: In so theory. we had those. We had those hot prints that come out in February, and I mean, sadly, we had some more hot prints that already came out. Um, on March 8th, the Jolts Report came out, Job Openings and Labor Turnover Survey.
0: And the Jolts Report, for those of you who are uninitiated, is the primary jobs report that the Fed looks to when they're mm-hmm. trying to decide if jobs have really been impacted. Right.
1: And as of right now, showing 10.8 million job openings. It's also the worst name ever. The Jolts. Yeah, Joltz. Joltz, yeah we, we've made fun of it a lot. The so Jolts Report. You get the Jolts? Jolt Cola. Yeah. It's just not a good name. You, you Jolt? I'm Jolted are you jolting right now?
0: jolting hard. hard. so hard.
1: are you so jolts report came in at 10.8 million, right? that's 400,000 down from december, but the funny thing about that was in december it was announced at roughly around the same and then once they revised it it went up to 11.2 million. yeah. i mean, he's got to be seeing this like there's still 1.9 jobs out there for every
0: unemployed person. 1.9. yeah. fucking crazy. it's crazy. and and here's a part that blows me away. it's like you we've all seen at this point in time layoffs. Yeah. We've seen it across industries. Mm-hmm. Banking, uh finance, technology. I mean, you've seen it. Yep. You know, and and for people and we've all known people who've gotten laid off. Like right. it's it, we're all in close proximity. Right. And yet there's still that many jobs.
1: How? So from in from an article from MarketWatch, uh, something that I read.
0: I'm pissed off at MarketWatch today. Really? They wrote an article about us completely unfounded. That's a whole different not us not not not, higher, uh, not not the higher not the higher standard. standard, yeah. Because they did, and, you know they could. They, they don't, nobody's going to correct the chief economist the higher standard. <laughs> no, Stop it! Come yeah. on,
1: man! Come on! Come yeah. on now! So um, they came out and they said, "So this is the this is the level of optimism that businesses and companies were dealing with, which would I guess kind of makes sense on why the unemployment number hasn't ticked up yet." Okay, he's saying that a lot of people up until now we've we've seen it. there's a lot of false optimism out there, right? And what people were doing was they were still projecting second half of the year growth. What? I I don't understand that. I know. A lot of
0: people didn't believe the Fed was going to do what they said they were going to do. Bro, I shit you not. I had a a conversation with a very, very smart banker two days ago.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And I'm like, hey man, uh, the Bloomberg... Interest rate probability index is at 168% for March, which means guaranteed 25 basis points and growing, yeah, growing close, dangerously close. Up close, got up to like 170, 170%. Mm-hmm. Once it hits 200, you got a guaranteed 50 base point increase. Yep. And we got two more prints coming out before the next Fed meeting, right? Which could be it, CPI is one of them. Mm-hmm. It, if those are bad in any way, shape, or form, that's it. You're getting 50 basis points, which Suck is it.
1: so, which is so crazy because that sends a, a completely different signal. To, no, all, point, to all financial markets. So I was
0: talking to this banker. He was convinced. He's like, there is no way. There is no feasible way they will do an extra 50 basis points. And I remember similar situated experienced bankers, mm-hmm. 20 plus years older than me. Mm-hmm. Several months ago, we're doing the show. You and I are looking at the data. We're having these conversations. We're like, shit, they're going to do it. It's going to be 75 basis points. Yeah. These guys were in absolute fucking denial. And it, it took me a while to appreciate why they feel that way, despite them being intelligent and experienced, right? this has never happened before. right? They legitimately do not believe the Fed could do this because they know the ramifications to the banking system and to the economy, which again, foreshadowing for the third time in the first 15 minutes of the show, we're going to get into. We're going to get into.
1: So what, what this article got into and what it said is a lot of companies and a lot of businesses were projecting second half of the year growth. So- they didn't want to get rid of their staff because if you're going to project second half of the year growth, you need those people. You need those people, right? Yeah. So they're like, we don't believe the Fed. We don't think they're actually going to hold rates for the for the full year, right? So what it is, they held on to people. They either, you know, cut their hours, right? Or we know they can ask them, ask certain employees to cut their salaries for the time being. They right? cut a lot of benefits. Cut a lot of benefits, and so who yeah. knows, maybe furloughed. I don't know, right? But now. Oh my God, if if CPI comes out hot and they raise 50 basis points, like here's the thing. Look, the terminal rate
0: might increase by, I don't know, another 25 basis points. I don't points. even think it needs to come out hot. I think it just needs to come out the same or close to the same. Even if, even if it lowers a little bit. I know. They're going to be like, yeah, that happened last time and then we'll go right back down.
1: Like that last reading that went from 6.5% CPI to only
0: down to 6.4. If it comes out 6.3, uh, huh. no one's convinced. <laughs> yeah, we got a problem, chief. Yeah, no, no one's going to be like, ah, shit, 25 is fine. Yeah, they're gonna be like, "Damn it, we
1: knew it." Yeah, and that's gonna send that's gonna send a completely different message because they were slowing the paces down, and everyone thought that it was under control, and unfortunately, it's it hasn't been.
0: Well, uh, as frustrating as all that was, there is the article by Reuters. Did you read this, where Feds Powell again rejects the idea of raising inflation target? Rejects, rejects mm-hmm. the idea of raising inflation. Inflation target? Did I stutter? Yeah. You, yeah, oh, yeah, you expected me to read it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I got a history. I got a, I got a track record. I read it and I had a second guess it because you yeah. looked at me like I was an alien. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I read yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah to the... <laughs> I've been practicing my reading, <laughs> yeah. okay, sir? I got you. All right. So this is a quote from the article from Reuters. We think it's really important that we do stick to a 2% inflation target. Mm-hmm.
1: We can't backtrack on that. And
0: not consider changing it. Powell said in his semi-annual testimony, the one we've been talking about, to the U.S. Senate Banking Committee. This is the first day. The 2% inflation target, quote, really anchors inflation, end quote, because the modern belief is that people's expectation about inflation actually have a real effect on inflation. Mm. If you expect inflation to go up 5%, then it will, he said. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right. I expect it to go down a lot. I know. Something yeah. tells me it's not gonna work. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's gonna need to do a lot more,
1: a lot more than just that.
0: But it's an interesting idea, right? So we've talked about this in the show before. The idea of two percent, being two to three percent, being the target has been there long before the last three Fed uh, secretaries. But Ben Bernanke, then Janet Yellen, and then now Jerome Powell. Ben Bernanke was the one that made it officially two percent as a target rate. Yeah. So it's pretty clear from. Jerome Powell's commentary—he's not going to back off that, right? Which was another thing that a lot of these seasoned bankers were saying, and a lot of the people in the news are picking up. Like, hey, we can aim for this, right? We can we can start moving that direction, but they're not—they're not, they're not going to get there, and they're, they're going to back off and say, oh, "Okay, we're fine at three or four percent." Well, right. he's tripling down, yeah, saying mm, no—that's the target, yeah, like that's what it is. That,
1: yeah, that's what we all got to aim for. We got
0: to aim for that, yeah.
1: Now, he, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, look, even as even in in my line of work, right, as as an underwriter, when I'm projecting future expenses, you know, for an income property, I'm projecting 3% inflation. Mm-hmm. Yes, you are. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it
0: leaves a, a lot up in the air if shit's still around 6% and 7%. So, from the same article, Powell noted on Tuesday that the persistence of high inflation amid broader economic strength could cause the central bank to quicken the pace of future rate rises and go farther with them over time. Again, oh. foreshadowing an owie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, that's, that's not wow. good. No. Is that Christopher Walken? Yeah. Like, wow. wow. Yeah, yeah I nice. did. Good yeah, it, was, job. it was terrible Christopher Walken. Wow. The cadence, caught, I mean, the cadence was there. You caught it, though. Can, Can you do any impressions? Me? Do you yeah. do any impressions at all?
1: I do. I could do you.
0: Stop it. That's yeah, insulting. Okay. Don't yeah. do that. You want me to do I it? Don't, I don't want you to read. Please don't read. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know where you're going. Yeah. It's very it's very hurtful. I do have feelings, <laughs> even though I read like an idiot. So uh, to wrap this up with JP, all right? You guys, no. you guys are on a close basis. Yeah. You know, I mean, and you're a Nobel laureate. He's, he, I mean, he's trying Fred to get Secretary, there. yeah, he's trying to get yeah. there. Yeah, you yeah. wear the green jacket. He wears a blue one. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. While he's flexing his, what is that? You think that's was a rollie? Him?
0: Yeah. Nah. Come on. I don't think he's a Rolex guy. I think he's, he's an Omega guy. He, he's going to be something like that. Yeah. Like it's like almost. He thinks high he's James end, Bond. But it's he thinks not he's James
1: end? Bond, but he's not. Yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah, and not a Rolex. So he wraps up
1: like this is what he concludes with. Yeah, The process of getting inflation back down to 2% has a long way to go and is likely to be bumpy. The latest economic data has come in stronger than expected, which suggests the ultimate level of interest rates is likely to be higher than previously anticipated. Mm -hmm. If the totality of the data would indicate that faster tightening is warranted, we would be prepared to increase the pace of rate hikes.
0: And that quote right there is essentially the quote that set the market ablaze and caused the Dow to drop. Took a big hit. So I made the mistake that morning, I think it was Tuesday morning, of getting a little bit late to the party. Okay. I turn on the television, and it's just a fucking bloodbath on CNBC. I'm like, I'll go to Bloomberg, maybe that'll be better. Mm-hmm. Still a bloodbath. Right. And it was just, the market was now freaking out, and a lot of people were hitting me up saying, why? The why is easy. Mm-hmm people are pricing in the extra 25 basis points that they're now concerned may be a very, very close proximity in reality. Mm-hmm. And now, is it full 25 basis points baked in already? I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, mortgage rates, last I checked, were north of 7% for a 30-year product. Yeah,
1: uh, it, it's been going slightly. Below. I think it's at 6.75. Ah, I yeah. saw 7% already. We saw so. 7% I mean, not too long ago. Yeah,
0: yeah, so I, I don't know if that's... I would, can you look that up? Yeah, average, pull, pull up, average, average, yeah, 30 year mortgage. Yeah, mortgage. average. <laughs>
1: let me help him out because okay. I know he's going to Google it.
0: Average 30 year fixed mortgage rate. So let's see what we got here 7.5. Woo! Chris coming in hot. God damn. God damn. I'm glad
1: you set it off. Yeah, and we said on the, I think we said on the last episode, an increase from like 6.5% to 7.5% is the equivalent of the home price being like
0: 10% more. So you, I think you checked rates a week ago. Yeah. That number's gotta surprise you. It's
1: it that that jumped high.
0: That's I, how much shock was in the treasuries this last week. I'm telling you, the market lost its proverbial shit.
1: It did. It did. I mean, I know as of today, uh the four big banks, JP Morgan, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Citigroup combined lost fifty two billion in value.
0: Are we gonna do this banking thing now? <laughs> I mean, we Cause... can get a, we can get it started because there's a lot here. I'm um I'm just going to say it. I'm fucking beside myself with the banking sector today. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to break some of this down in as colloquial and as normal a language as I can. But there's going to be a lot of expletives. Okay. So if expletives offend you, you need to get over it today. Because okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm fucking mad. Yeah. All right. So the, the banking sector is somewhat different in the United States and other states like Canada. Mm-hmm. There's thousands of banks here. The big, big banks, those money center banks, the Chase, the Wells, the B of A, sure, they make money on something called net interest margin, which is the difference between what they're paying out on deposit rates and what they're getting on loan rates. Yes. Okay. So if I pay you five percent on your deposits and that's what you're earning in your depository accounts, think your savings account, for example, mm-hmm. but I'm charging seven percent for a loan, that two percent difference is my net interest margin. Right. That's really the primary income source for, for the majority of banks. But large money center banks, the big ones, they have tons of other types of income. Mm-hmm. Fee income on services, investment banking groups, all sorts of secondary markets activity. They got a lot of different ways to make money. Right. More so than community, regional and super regional banks like do. Smaller banks, Smaller yeah. banks. So mm-hmm. today, the banking sector got hit really, really, really hard. And it started yesterday. And the reason why, we'll get into the Silicon Valley situation because I know there's a lot there to unpack, but Mm -hmm. it started off with the, quote, voluntary liquidation Mm -hmm. of Silvergate Bank.
1: Right. So it started yesterday, and that date was March 8th.
0: Yeah. So if you guys recall, Silvergate was the crypto bank that I may have taken a couple pot shots at in previous episodes where I said they were absolutely out of their fucking mind doing some of the stuff they were doing. Right. And their CEO went on CNBC, and he fumbled a bag.
1: They were, like, one of the leading, like, Potential crypto banks.
0: They had exposure to FTX. Oh, I don't know if you saw this. There were emails. No, I didn't. From him, from him, him from him, and the CEO of Silvergate Bank and other employees, essentially committing wire fraud by saying, "Hey, we can't wire in money to FTX, but you can wire it into Alameda, and they have a back door into FTX." Structuring. He was literally structuring the transactions to get people into FTX in emails. Yeah, there's the, uh, there's no way in my mind he's not going. That is so he's not crazy. going to club Fed. He's going to prison.
1: Yeah, that is crazy.
0: Like so, so they're in a quote voluntary liquidation, which is a cute way of saying we don't want the regulators or forces into liquidation. So we just go ahead and do yeah, it we're ourselves.
1: Get, we're going to get out in front of it. it's like your kid putting themselves a timeout when they know they fucked up.
0: I was going to go much more graphic example. See,
1: you know, I knew you were so that I was very to, I tried, to get, I tried yeah. to get in front of it yeah, too. Yeah, that was, that was see true. what I did. I, was, I like I was it when you get in front of. I me. was try, I was trying to be Silvergate no, CEO no, I, I'm
0: totally happy when you get in front of me. Yeah, on top of you. In front of me. On, you said in front. On top. You just, you're it, changing the situation now. That's inappropriate, <laughs> okay? So the U.S. Crypto Bank, this Silvergate Bank, who had this exposure to Alameda and everybody else, but CEO fumbles a the bag. They take some massive losses when the whole crypto market takes a dive. They're now involuntary liquidation. And it's not all crypto-related, despite what people think. This is, this is the part about banking that, that I think drives me crazy. Okay. Is that there's a lot of stigma for banks that don't have a lot of adjustable product. And in the banking business, that means you got lines of credit, something that's index plus margin pricing. Right. And the reason why you want that right now is you're not locked into those low interest rate loans that you made a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you're a bank, and you're making loans last year and your weighted average coupon or your average interest rate across your loan portfolio is called three and a half percent. Yeah. How are you going to pay for for deposit rates at four or five percent? Exactly. You're losing money on that. Right. So everybody was like, okay, great, great. Well, these are banks that are, that are more CNI or business banking that have a lot of small business and middle yeah. market business. They've got lines of credit that are index plus margin. Well, there's a problem here, folks. Okay. Problem number one, middle market small, small business, these, these small to medium sized businesses, they're not as highly regulated typically. They're, they don't have a sophisticated CFO or, or finance staff on staff. They usually right. outsource a lot of those functions. Mm-hmm. They don't have the same oversight. Right. They fail at a much higher pace. Yep. And a lot of these businesses haven't had increasing interest rates on in their loans for 14 years. So they're, they're not used to what they do. Now you have consumer spending pulling back. and mm-hmm. uh, uh, Maybe they're too concentrated. So there's a higher risk of default in right. those than there is somebody defaulting on their home. Right. Right? True. You're going to protect where you live. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to default on your on your your business before you default on your home because you got to live somewhere. Yeah, you're not gonna you don't want to get you'll liquidate everything else before you liquidate that. Right. So people thought those banks were safer, but are they? I don't really know that they are. And even if those banks are quote safer and they have those products and they don't worry about the spread on loans, mm-hmm. they still have real estate loans that are fixed. Yes. Even if they do, if they're commercial banking, a three, five, seven year fixed. If it's you know traditional single family mortgage banking, it could be you know ten years, thirty year product. Right. So there really is no one type of bank that's safe right they d- now. They just need to be diversified enough to where they're spread out. Well, the regulators require banks to be more diversified. You can't be a what's called a monoline business. You can't be a single type of business. Right. The old world but allowed in- for thrifts to do that. They all they do lend on was housing.
1: But in the case of Silicon Valley Bank, Ooh. right? They're really
0: they're really tech focused, startup focused, right? So Silicon Valley Bank has essentially fucked the market. <laughs> they- Single-handedly, okay? that that is the that is the most complex financial term I have for what they've done. They, <laughs> they have uh, fucked the market. They have fucked the market. They had a great reputation. They were always looked at at with tremendous regard. Mm-hmm. They they have a multi-billion-dollar unrealized gain that they decided to take part of recently. I think you have an article on this.
1: Um, I do have an article on it, uh, and we'll get into what an unrealized uh, gain and what unrealized losses are in in a second.
0: But so did you, did you know that or did you want me to what you have that as part of your notes yeah yeah okay yeah I don't I do, want.
1: but I would love for you to explain it um so well silicon valley bank I was going to svb um they raised 2.25 billion in fresh capital today by selling which is a problem by the way huge problem yes right huge problem uh they raised it by selling new shares a mix of common stocks and preferred stock their stock price today fell 60%
0: 40% during normal hours yeah. and 20% after hours and it continues to tumble right now. And I was watching this all day long going ooh ooh ooh. ooh it's got to stop. Ooh, ooh it's got to stop. It's so it kept bad. going. It's it it so- went straight down. And this is basically the market saying we call bullshit. Right. The market effectively called bullshit on all of this. But it wasn't it wasn't just then they had a bad day like I know that um Pac West was down 25 yep. percent. a lot of the community banks were down somewhere between six and eight mm-hmm. percent. and the, the we'll stick with Silicon Valley Bank because it's easier here. so they had this unrealized gain. and the way I like to, 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 to compare this to most people, let's say you put hundred dollars in your stock portfolio, mm-hmm. okay let's say that money goes up to 200 bucks. You haven't realized that until you cash that out and use it right And for, uh, for people like
1: like when you buy a home and the value of your home goes up. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean shit
0: until you sell it. Yeah, until you realize that gain. Exactly. Well, an unrealized loss, which is what Silicon Valley had, is when they bought stock assets Mm -hmm. and the value has gone down a lot. Right. So they sold a huge chunk. I think it was 1.8 billion. So when you sell that 1.8 billion, you have to recognize the loss, the money you put in, the value at the time you put it in versus the value that it is right now. Right. So if you put in 3 billion to buy that, 1800000000 1.8 billion. Mm-hmm. You've got to recognize that 1.2 billion dollar loss in that quarter and then talk about it to all your shareholders, which is a fun conversation.
1: <laughs> yeah, imagine imagine that next earnings call is going to be crazy. So, the banking industry as a whole has more than 600 billion in unrealized losses on its securities holdings according to the FDIC.
0: So, the key word there is securities holdings. This is the part of of the market tanking the way that it has that people don't necessarily understand. Mm-hmm. It's not just the retail consumer it's not just the big companies like BlackRock that are institutional investors that have assets in the market, right. It's also banks who invest money in securities right. Well, if those securities go down, like the market has gone down essentially mm-hmm. that's a problem,
1: right, so you can think
0: of it like this. Uh, what a lot of banks do when they have like some extra cash right
1: is they'll buy some they'll buy bonds they bought a lot of bonds when when rates were low and now those those rates. Are significantly higher now, so those bonds
0: have gone down significantly. Those right there are unrealized losses. And I believe in Silicon Valley's case, it was bonds, primarily a bond portfolio. Yes, right? yeah. So they had an earnings call, I think it was, and their CEO started talking about this. At the same time, they also announced a capital raise. Yes. So not only did they sell assets, their liquidity portfolio, I think yes. almost in its entirety. Right. Right. And now they're raising capital. They're saying, hey. We're gonna recognize this loss. We're gonna Mm -hmm. take this L. Yeah. And oh, by the way, investors, we need you to buy uh, more of our stock.
1: And they're doing this, right? If you're wondering why, it's because there was an outflow of deposits,
0: Mm -hmm. right? What is considered to be a run on the bank. Yes. People started to freak out that the bank was having more problems than they were actually communicating and that their money might not be safe. And this right here is why I'm so angry. And I will talk about what this really means and why it's really fucked Mm -hmm. and why people need to understand this is going to be the biggest bitch slap of a red flag in your face for the economy that you will ever get. This is a gift. This is a foreshadowing in real life. <laughs> and everybody's out here going like, oh, that looks bad. No, you do not understand. Okay. How bad what is happening is. Okay, go for it. I need it. Hit me with it. I think I need a little more enthusiasm before gets I get it. Hey, uh, slap me with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> slap <Slabby>. me. <laughs> Harder. <laughs> Jesus, man. <laughs> All right. So Silicon Valley Bank, had, I think it was Peter Thiel- uh, y Combinator, a lot of the people in the tech space, mm-hmm. Silicon Valley Bank had a lot of exposure to venture capital, right? They had a lot of exposure to startup businesses. Uh, what is venture capital? Well, suffice it to say, I think if you listen to like the All In podcast, you know all about it, right? Got it. But essentially it, it's venture capital, private equity. They invest in speculative startup businesses mm-hmm. that have a higher risk, but also a higher potential for re- return, right? Right. And I'm I'm watering down the business, but essentially At its core, that's what it is. Uh, Y Combinator is effectively like an incubator system where they find people who come in as entrepreneurs who have startup business ideas. They invest and help capitalize in them and they try to grow them over time. Mm -hmm. These businesses, and Peter Thiel, obviously huge in this space, he would, and they had a ton of money. They're telling their people, hey, pull out everything except for $250,000 in in Silicon Valley Bank and why is the FDIC insurance covers up to $250,000? So they're basically saying if this fucking thing fails, You'll be covered. Right. And that has created what's known as a run on the bank. Jeez. Not to mention the fact that... It's scary. Not to mention the fact that uh, Arun has a question. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. So you mentioned um, banks and venture capitalists. Are banks allowed to be a venture capitalist? Or are they allowed to invest like that?
0: Well, so they weren't necessarily solely investing. They obviously had a full breadth of banking products. They were the chosen bank for those type of people in the Silicon Valley. Hence the name Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah. So a lot of the venture capitalist investment firms would go through that, now sure, yes, they did have money in venture capital based businesses. Those are considered significantly more risky and as a result, banks are required by regulation to hold more capital against those riskier investments. Right. Some of those investments are what went bad for them that caused them a lot of problems and the people are perceiving those as being risky.
1: Right, and, and from based on everything we've been talking about on the show so far, the, the number one sector that got hit first In all this was the tech space
0: Which is again the distant cousin for what they're doing here Exactly So people looking at their portfolio say Okay wait a minute You have this massive unrealized gain that you chose to realize Now the proponents of, of the banking system that believe in what they're doing Say okay they took their hit now They're big lumps now They took the L now
1: mm-hmm.
0: By realizing this loss And they're raising capital they're, they're, they're taking the pain now to have a better future But I don't believe the market buys that. I think the market is thinking there are bigger problems here than we know. Yeah. Especially given their proximity to venture capital. Now you got Peter Thiel, you got Y Combinator, everybody telling them pull out, pull out your deposits. Mm-hmm. This is the run on the banking system. So they pull out? They pull out. All right. Just make sure they're pulling out. Pulling out quick. All right. Can't be in there too long. <laughs> Cause if you are, can't they can't some, dock too long. They gotta pull out. You don't want to get pregnant with your dollars. <laughs> okay. Can't dock. So, goddamn, that's a graph. SBS, SVS, Silicon Valley Bank's financial stock slumps, has investors fear bank run. It's just like a straight drop. It's That's a vertical line down. That is wild. Yeah, that is a wildly bad sign. If your stock price ever looks like that- That's what 60% looks like. In one day. Yeah. Damn. God damn. So, look, I don't know that they're absolutely going to fail and that they are very, very, very big. But what I can tell you is this was- nauseatingly scary for me this today. I can only imagine. I got on to, so my, my Apple iPhone, my, my list of stocks, they're all banking sector stocks. The banking sector had its worst day since like 2020. But in my mind, I'm looking at this going like, oh my God, this is starting a run on the banks. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many people hit me up today asking if our bank or other banks that we knew were failing. Wow. And layoffs aren't something that that all banks openly disclose and talk about and they certainly don't issue a press release for it. No. Unless somebody picks it up in the media, you generally don't hear about it. But they're happening. Entire departments in, in the banking sector are being being wiped out. And it's because of this net interest margin compression, which really impacts the regional, super regional banks. But I'm looking at all the stock prices just massively falling off. Now the like I started off the the, the context of this sh- talking sharing and talking about was those large money center banks, the Wells, the Chase, the B of A. Big boxes. They only dipped like somewhere between, call it six and 8% mm-hmm. ish. And most of the market in the small community regional and super regional bank, they dipped a lot more.
1: Yeah, I think you said PacWest dropped like 17% or something, right?
0: PacWest dropped 25%. 25%. Signature bank dropped a, a, a ton and they're they're having some you know significant concerns. Anybody that was perceived to have exposure to crypto, mm-hmm. anybody that was ex- perceived to have exposure to venture capital, a startup business, fintech business, right. They're all just getting slammed right now. Yeah. And when you start seeing this type of negativity in the banking sector as far as pricing goes. Yeah. And when you start to get the calls like I started to get today, people who want to know your professional opinion on banks. Yeah. When MarketWatch starts putting out articles, hey, the top 10 banks that we're worried about, net interest margin compression, stuff like that, that, that creates an insecurity from the consumer. Right. The consumer's worried, will this bank be there? That starts to run on banks. People go to the bank saying, "I want to get my money out now because I don't want to don't have to safe. wait for the FDIC to close you down." I don't feel safe, right? I don't feel safe, right? That's why why commentator Peter Thiel telling him, "Leave your two hundred fifty thousand dollars in there, no more than that. Pull right. your money out." This is the beginning of a breakdown in the financial system. Don't bring this article up, bro. <laughs> the the, the market this it talks about us. Don't do that. Take this out. I'm not I'm not talking about this article on the show. Yeah, because I'll just cuss out Market Watch for being assholes. Right. Honestly, if you put out an article about somebody, mm-hmm. give them the dignity of having an opportunity to opine. Don't just put out press. Oh yeah. Talk yeah. to somebody over there. Yeah, first. don't 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 just assume you know. Yeah. they man, I'm too mad to talk about it. But yeah. Here's my point is leading up to the Great Recession, there was a run on banks and right. a lot of banks got hit hard because people were worried about credit losses. Right. And credit losses started to get seen and these banks that had over risky portfolios. That's really was a huge catalyst for the Great Recession. The Great Depression had a very similar set of circumstances where the market kind of fell out, the stock market did, mm-hmm. right? And in both cases, they were kind of driven by the stock market a little bit, right? Right. On the, um, to use the most recent example of the Great Recession, it was these uh, hybridized you know, the, the mortgage-backed security pools. Uh, they call them synthetic pools because they yeah. came from different underwriters, different underwriting standards, and different pools all lumped together. And that's kind of what kicked off what ultimately became the Great Recession. I'm looking at this now, going the stock market's kicking something off, yeah, this, and I am very just, afraid
1: this is just the beginning this This may be the beginning of what our boy Jamie Diamond was talking about I know another twenty twenty five percent to go
0: well, and here's the part too is I'm looking at the options for the Fed. You and I were talking before the show about the Fed's ability to increase the reserve requirement for banks
1: yes that and that was that was something that uh i I heard overheard some people talk about, so what they were saying is um, during Jerome Powell's testimony in front of Congress, he was saying, um, this is the only measure we can take is by raising interest rates to really fight this inflation problem.
0: Which is true. Which is
1: true. Yeah. Right. And somebody posed the question that is that really the only thing you could do? Couldn't you just couldn't you also increase the reserve requirement that banks are required to have um, in order in order to do loans? That's such a silly ass question, right? To and I think what they were asking for is uh, to shorten the money supply.
0: Yeah. So, to put this in as simple terms as I can, without making it a banking thing, let's say um, you got a hundred dollars in your wallet, right? Mm-hmm. And you got to keep twenty dollars for your emergency rainy day fund. Yes. Right. So you got eighty dollars you can really spend. Mm-hmm. But now the wife comes home. <laughs> she needs sixty bucks. You give her sixty bucks. Right. Right. You got 20 bucks in your pocket. Right. Now, you could use that 20 bucks for for you, right? Maybe maybe make an investment, maybe buy some food. Right. But if the Fed comes in and says, hey, hey, man, you need to keep that in your pocket for an extra $20 reserve, mm-hmm. but you can't spend it. You got to have that $40 in your pocket at all times. Yeah. You're now broke. It's true. So, right now, the way the Fed works is they increase the liquidity, the capital requirements for banks, this is above and beyond what their primary regulator already requires them to have for a well-capitalized institution. So how, what is that right now? Well, it depends on your regulator. Okay. Um, so it gets technical, so let's just not go there. Okay. But you're required to have a certain amount of capital as a bank. Mm-hmm. And for the Fed to come in and increase it above that, they, this is generally only used when there's a fear for a run on banks happening. I see. So if the Fed does this, particularly at their next meeting in light of what we're seeing today. Then that's telling you something else. That's telling, that's you, that telling you they're afraid people are gonna make a run on the banks.
1: Which is what we're seeing that just happened with. We're seeing a very early Silicon Valley, flash. Silicon Valley
0: Bank. Well, not only Silicon Valley, you got Signature Bank, you Silicon Valley Bank, you got um, Silvergate Bank. Right. So, And th- this is early. I'm, I'm actually kind of shocked we've gotten this far into this, this rapid cadence of interest rate hikes. Mm-hmm because it's affecting everybody because again banks are not able to make just adjustable rate product loans if you wanted to say you know what I just want index plus margin based lines of credit and i'm going to make just that yeah you can't do that banks require you to have diversity in your lending portfolio you want you want you to lend on homes yeah. then you to live on an apartment L- lend in, on you can't, apartment units commercial there, real estate yeah
1: in case there's ever any downturn on any one sector exactly th- that way yeah you're not concentrated in
0: any one now, center. you can have more of one product versus another product, right? but you have to carry capital reserves and do things like that in order to offset it. So I, I'm telling you, this is where th- the cadence of these interest rate increases have gone so fast that the pressure in the banking system is untenable. Mm-hmm. And I've been worried about this for an extended period of time. As a banker in the space, I see what it looks like. right? But now I'm at a point where it's visible to other people who are not bankers. Yes. The retail customer is going to see this. And at what point does the consumer go, shit, I'm worried? I think that's happening now, to be honest with you. Yeah.
1: Because when you dive in too much of the details or for people that aren't bankers, they don't know. Dude, I'm getting calls everybody. They don't know what this means, right? Yeah. But
0: anytime there's bad press on, on banks, that's a, that's a scary sight. And look, I don't talk about what we do for a living a lot. And I kind of refer to it. And for the listeners to the show, the reason why I don't do that is I don't want to cross-pollinate, right? Mm-hmm. As much as I would love to do that from just a human perspective, right? because it's a publicly traded institution, because I, try to, I have to respect the atmosphere, and I'm an executive of the public traded institution, right. there are fiduciary responsibilities that I have. Mm-hmm. What I will tell you is, it's a scary thing when people that are in banking who know banking have to ask if they're in jeopardy of their own bank failing. Right. And it goes to show you that you can be in banking and not understand it. Right, absolutely. You can you can be a retail customer and truly understand banking or not understand banking, but it is really, really complex. And for the first 10 years of my banking career, one of the things that was a deep-seated fear for me mm-hmm. is that I knew I didn't know enough to where I felt comfortable. Right. And even now in my career, I feel like I know enough to be sophisticated to have conversations, but I still fear there are elements of my understanding of, of breadth of banking that I still go, okay, shit. Well, there's so much I, I more know.
1: at play, right? I mean, Well, it's, it's
0: accounting, whole... it's finance, it's law, it's real estate. When you get into the high level of banking, it's not just, I understand finance, it's right. well beyond that.
1: Mm-hmm. It's, and consu- it, it's consumer sentiment, it's everything, mm-hmm.
0: right? It, and it gets political, and I get why someone like Jamie Dimon becomes more of a politician at times. Yeah. By the way, I'm convinced that interview he did with Jim Cramer, like he said, you notice he said the complete opposite of everything he'd said before, Jim Cramer. <laughs> like, I'm convinced. Like He just wanted to get out of there. Everybody in the market who who knows, yeah. Cramer knows that he's a troll. Yeah. And I think everybody at this point is just playing into it.
1: Yeah. It's like, I think we said he's like steven A. Smith or he's like Skip Bayless. He doesn't even believe half the shit he says. No. He's doing it. At the end of the day, what is... What is Kramer doing right now? He's, he's not... one of the
0: greatest actors of modern times. Right. He, he's selling ratings. After... He's selling a hell out of a ratings. That, that's what he's, and he's doing. He's playing a character. Yeah. He's essentially, you know, like Brad Pitt in Fight Club. Right. <laughs> yeah. He's playing a role. That's all he's doing. That's all he's doing. Exactly. So the banking sector scares the hell out of me right now, man. And, and I, I don't mean to trivialize it with sarcasm because it is a very scary time for me. And I don't mean to 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 ring like the recession bells or like the run on bank bells, but mm-hmm. this was a bad day for me. It was a really really bad day uh, in the markets, and the sentiment that's being shared out there and the conversations that are happening about banking really make me uncomfortable. Mm. I mean, there's no other way to put it.
1: Does it make you as uncomfortable as what Rivian did to you today? <laughs> You're getting screwed, getting screwed here, getting screwed over there. What's going on?
0: So this article popped up in my news feed, right? And I, I had an exhausting week. Like mentally, I was just exhausted. It's been stressful in the office. It's been stressful. A lot, you know, a lot going on. A lot going on in different places. And I was uh, emotionally drained. I get in the bed. It's late at night. It's like well, for me, late nine thirty, and for you, you just get the party started. Come on, man! <laughs>
1: it's twelve o'clock right now.
0: It is twelve o'clock right now. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, we're idiots. In any event. And this pops up in my news feed from the street. So I'm like, oh, maybe it's finance related. Keep your ear to the street. Nope. nope. Rivian stuns investors with very bad news. That's- and I'm like, fuck, that's me. God damn. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm going to keep reading. It can't be that bad. Yeah. Here's the caption for the article. The EV upstart seen as a serious rival to Tesla plans to raise additional capital to finance its operations. The stock falls. Oops, yeah. I was like, "Great, this sounds just like Silicon Valley Bank." Yeah, exactly. Good news. This was this is my warm up. So, of course, I've got a massive quote here from this article because I read the entire thing. Was pissed off the entire time, but mm-hmm. there was actually some gems here about the auto industry that I thought were somewhat valuable. Other than me just being pissed off that I've got a Rivian that I'm never going to get because it's on like some kind of layaway program, apparently not actually being sold to me. All right. Certainly, what we're witnessing in the macro. And what we're seeing in terms of interest rate is across the industry, having an effect, moderating overall demand. Skaring, who's their CEO, RJ, I'll call him because that's his first name, told analysts during the fourth quarter earnings call. And again, I always tell people earnings calls are a great way to find out about the company. It's Mm -hmm. it's interesting insight. So RJ, the CEO of Rivian and the founder, I believe, um, comes out with some pretty, pretty thoughtful stuff about the economy. Right. So. Interest rates are impacting them. Yeah, how much do you say, Said? It's it's impacting everybody. Investors had already more or less anticipated this concern when Lucid, another EV startup, had clearly indicated a few days earlier that it was facing a drop in demand for its luxury electronic sedans. Lucid had also stopped giving an update of its order book, something that Rivian did as well. Like yeah. you know what? We're just we're just gonna play hide the sausage with the orders for a little bit. <laughs>
1: hide the sausage.
0: And. uh We'll see what happens. So the demand for the vehicles of the two EV makers comes from the fact that Tesla, their elder and great rival, mm-hmm. has launched a price war by drastically lowering the prices of its vehicles. Elon Musk group was followed by Ford and Chinese automakers. Man. I really feel like Chinese is, automakers. This is, is what weird. like
1: Amazon did for the longest time, right?
0: Yep. Yeah. Pimp slapped the market with lower <laughs> yeah, prices. Like, oh, we don't need to make money. What are you doing over there, Elon? Oh, I'm putting baby powder on my, on my, on my hand.
1: Yeah, I'm about to slap the shit <laughs> out of you. <laughs> I'm about to slap the shit out of Rivian.
0: But Elon, why are you doing that? That People are buying them. Because I can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, shit. These decisions have pushed consumers to seek bargains, while others prefer to wait for buying a new vehicle, given the uncertainty about the health of the economy. Hmm. So the economic impact and the stress that we're seeing, this consumer discretionary spending that we were worried about, it is pulling back. It is happening. Right. But it's happening on the higher end purchases. We talked in previous episodes that the needs versus wants for homes. It's not the kitchen remodel, the bathroom remodel. It's the can I fix the roof? Can I fix the foundation? Yep. It's the stuff you need to do versus that you want to do. That stuff's happening. Well, now the automaking, uh, automaker industry is, is experiencing a lot of that. People uh-huh. are going like, oh, shit. 100%. Is now a good time to buy?
1: No, I know. As I actually have some data here from the New York Fed. Um, consumers have over $1.4 trillion worth of auto debt. That makes up a total of 9 to 10% of all consumer debt. The number of people that are 60 days behind on their auto loans, 25% higher year over year.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, those, and I think car payments now are more likely to be over, over $1,000.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: dude, that's outrageous. Yeah. Oh,
0: God damn it. I don't want to compliment you and give you this because your ego is so big, but I'm, I'm going to do this. what I do? But I need, don't, 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 don't act like arrogant. You're already rubbing your neck. I'm and bro, doing, boy, it's, I'm wearing a tight collar. I right? can tell you're foaming at the mouth to start saying some arrogant shit.
1: No, no, come on. All
0: right. So I'm watching the news. I'm humbly sitting there in my office trying to just not think about the day because it was a bad one. And uh, right, it pops up right <laughs> on the screen. I just, like that pop sound I made.
1: Oh, uh, I, I popped into your mind. So
0: my mouth sound effects. No, yeah. popped onto the screen. CNBC debate. And they're talking about, hey man, foreclosures. Uh oh. Foreclosures are up a lot. And I know it's not up a lot relative to historic yes. numbers. Yeah. But it is increasing at a cadence that is right. very, very concerning. It's the
1: rate at what it's increasing that it should be alarming.
0: And I remember going, shit. That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> I told Saeed that I wasn't that concerned about yeah. the numbers yet. Right. And apparently. Um, at the time, at the time when, we,
1: when we talked about it, do you remember what it said? Because at the time when we were talking about it, it was increasing like fifty percent,
0: fifty percent. But but it was coming out of the post pandemic foreclosure era. The yeah, courts yeah. are backed up, and you, you may have been onto something there, Chief. Yeah. Well, Chief I mean, economist not, of the higher standard.
1: Well, you got. to, I mean, we think it's a, it's going to be a natural byproduct, right? If Consumer debt is getting out of hand. Credit card payments are getting out of hand. Interest rates are rising. We know it, if if interest rates rise another fifty basis points, vehicle repossessions. What's right that going to do? Like what's that going to do to everyone's credit card payments that are already at record highs? Oh, they're oh. already they're already squeezing themselves thin, having to pay for credit card payments. I'm like, I I mean, they're going to have to start liquidating.
0: It, it's it's bad, and
1: that's man. another reason why the stock market is probably going to take a big hit because people are going to have to sell off before they have to sell off their homes.
0: Arun just pulled up an article. U.S. foreclosure rate stabilizes in February. Mm. Filings decrease month over month after 21 consecutive months of increases. That's a problem. That's almost two years, bro. Wow. Two years of consecutive increases. I'm sorry. Two years of consecutive increases in one stabilized month. That's yeah. not even going down. That's stabilizing. <laughs> yeah. That is not a good trend. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's just getting I call ready. bullshit. This is why, everybody, you can't listen to articles that you read because yeah. that's a terrible trend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, exactly. you know what? It stabilized this month. So it didn't yeah, go up right. or down. Wait, did a realtor write this? What's going
1: on? What's going on here? <laughs> going on here?
0: <laughs> we love realtors. Don't uh, do that. No, I do. Don't I'm do just that. saying they're not. Well, I mean, they're not all bad. I love. I love real. I'm a realtor. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, maybe like, Zillow wrote I, it. I, <laughs> <laughs> Which one of you assholes? Oh my God! Uh, Lone Depot. 60% oh. Sixty yeah. percent of their workforce <sighs> laid off today. Sixty percent. Man. I mean. I knew they were having trouble, but God damn, that was, I mean, wow. Yeah, I guess, it, I mean, also,
1: there's no loan. Right now, a lot of banks, right? Unless they're doing some adjustable rate products,
0: right? They're really pricing themselves out of any other market, right? It's a dual-edged sword. So not only are you pricing yourself out of the market because, so again, let, let's talk about that net interest margin income, right? Yeah. For a, a community bank, a regional bank, for essentially any, any bank.
1: Uh, or a lender, yeah. A
0: lender. Your cost of funds is whatever you're paying to get that money. So if you're a non-bank lender and you got a line of credit, if that line of credit's charging you index plus margin pricing that winds up being 5%, you need to make loans at 7%, 2% to be just a bare minimum cover your, cover your, your, your spread. Mm-hmm. You have some fee income, like a processing fee, origination mm-hmm. fee, whatever it might be. Didn't really live off of. And that'll add yeah. to your income, right? Yeah. It's not gonna be the bulk of it, but it'll add. right? If you're a bank, it's what you're paying somebody for the deposits. So a banking term that not a lot of people are familiar with is something called beta. Okay. So whenever a banker talks about beta, they're talking about the cadence at which their deposit pricing is repricing. The delta between what they're pricing on their, what they're paying on deposit before and what okay. they're paying now. So if you come oh, in see. and say, hey Chris, um, I've got a 1% APY, Mm-hmm. And I see a promo in the door It says 4% APY. I want that. I now have a 3% beta. Yeah. I went from 1% to 4%. Yep. Right? So that, because the Fed increases interest rates at this historic cadence, the beta is repricing at a historic cadence. Wow. For banks. Right. Because, again, we talked about this on the last, the last show, when you had a 1%. 1% APY rate, maybe even a 1.4% APY rate, you didn't wanna change from one bank to another bank if you were, if you had like a 1% to get a 1.4. Right. Even a two, you're like, eh. But now that you're at 5%, that's real money you're leaving the table. Yeah. And we talked about on the previous show how holding cash that's might great. actually be a great investment this year. Yeah, for now. Especially if you're getting 5% and it's liquid. People are going into the treasuries now too, this is crazy. You can go buy six month treasuries and make well north of 5%. Yep. We talked about that high mid fives. So what do you do if you want liquidity in a in a fast pace? You do something called a waterfall, where you uh, buy different that? maturing treasuries at different times, mm-hmm. so that your money becomes liquid over the course of months. Oh, smart. Yeah, or incredibly stupid. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't make <laughs> yeah. any claims. Yeah, but w- what I'll tell you is, is is this is super fascinating right now because it hasn't it hasn't happened at this pace before. So when you, no when one you... has lived to this before, no one's gonna be like, oh Stevie. <laughs> When I was a kid and the Fed increased rates at this cadence, we walked to school both ways in the snow uphill. Right. I mean, there are some banks
1: out there right now that aren't offering these rates, right? And they're just just not keeping up
0: with what's going on in the market. Well, I don't know that you can just not offer rates. Uh, No, no. I mean, like uh, competitive rates. Well, on the loan side, sure. And the reason why, and this is probably good to explain, if I make a loan today Mm -hmm. and I know... uh, because I'm in the business and you know I, I have you as a friend and you're right. brilliant. And you say, Chris, there's a high probability at the very least, we're looking at a Fed interest rate increase in March, in May, and in June of 25 basis points. Very least. Bare minimum. Bare minimum, right? I know that any loan I make today will at least be that much underwater in three or four months. Oh yeah. And that's the problem. If you're making loans into an environment where interest rates are rising, in theory, the best thing to do for your shareholder for your business, is to slow play the amount of production you're putting out today so you can put more out when the market stabilizes. Right. And that's what I keep telling people. For banks, the pain is the interest rate increases. For the consumer, it's the interest rate holding. Yes. So that's why so much of this is scary to me. Mm -hmm. Because I know this is the tidal wave that the consumer hasn't seen coming yet. That I only see because I'm farther out at sea. Yeah, that's true. It's true, and it it, at that point it's
1: just holding the rates. Once they once they hold the rates and they make that, I think we call that that's the second pivot, Mm -hmm. right? The first pivot was slowing down at the rate of the increases. Now it's really fucked up if he goes from twenty five basis points up to fifty basis points because because then he picked it it back up. uh, We talked about Volker so goddamn much, right? I know, and that was another thing that uh, Elizabeth Warren cited um, when she was when she was talking. Have I told you I don't like her? Yeah, that's another thing she cited when she shame was shame on you, Massachusetts. When she was talking to Uncle JP, right? She was saying, in in the the last six times, unemployment increased by one percent in a twelve month span. You know, she said, "Do you know how many times we hit a recession?" He, Trump I was like, "I'm assuming because you asked me that all six times, right?" <laughs> 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 it got Charlie got Charlie Munger on her yeah. right. He's like, uh, yeah, I'm assuming all six times. And she's like, she's like, yeah, all six times. So he's, I know in his mind he was thinking, bitch, I've been signing Volker the last like year and a half.
0: What part of I haven't mentioned a soft landing in a long time was confusing to you? Right. Uh, we're now calling it a bitch slap landing. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: That's the other thing he said. I love it. He he slammed the no landing. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, it, it, no, it's not a no landing. That's a delayed landing. We're going to land. I'm going to land this thing. It's just going to be delayed.
0: Will the congresswoman from Massachusetts <laughs> please give me a bottle of baby powder? Yeah. Give me some, give some. <laughs> <laughs> powder my hand, Miss Warren. Yeah. Powder my hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll um, tell you that the rhetoric now scares me. And I was talking to my, my beautiful wife about the banking system over the last couple of days. She's taken an interest in what I I do for a living in a a way that she hasn't before, and Mm -hmm. it's it's great, and it's cool, and it's special, because it's nice to be able to come home and try to like talk about some of the things that, that, that I do every day, but at the same time, I know how complex this stuff is. Right. And not everybody, you know, if I could go back in time, I would've got an accounting degree. Oh, me too. Accounting so valuable. It's boring I, as shit, but it's valuable. I've man. always said
1: that. Yeah, if I could go back, it's so valuable. It, it's totally one of the that.
0: best skills you could have. Mm-hmm. If if you want to, I still wish I could go back and get an accounting degree. To this, and I thought about it so many times. Right. So, we're having conversations about this, and my wife, who is not super sophisticated, she's going, "This sounds bad," mm. and I'm like, "Yeah, it, it feels bad." Right. And then she asked me a question that I looked into and I could not believe this actually happened. She said, well, are people making money off this? Like, you know, betting on the downside. And I was like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Mm. I'm so worried about what's happening that I haven't thought about it. Because I know that Michael Burry right. from The Big Short, that's how he made his money. So of course I did some digging, right? Mm-hmm. And I happened to find that somebody Put a $7,500 short call on Silicon Valley Bank. No way. How much do you think that $7,500 short call is worth today? I have no idea. $2.1 million.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: I don't know who that is. Probably insider trading. But I am, call, color me fucking impressed. Right. If, even if you go to jail, good job. Wow. $7,500, $2.1 that's insane. it's like what' a come up you know just when you think you're smart, someone says, "Nope, it got you bitch, not you <laughs> me that's who <laughs> yeah, exactly that's who, not you
1: me so wait, explain to people how, how, what short selling is
0: uh, it's such a hard thing to explain because there, there's complications with it. effectively, you're betting that the stock price is going to go down within a window of time but,
1: but how, do, how do you how does one make money off of that so you're betting that a stock price goes down how, do, how would you make money off of it?
0: Well, uh, think about it the same way you would bet on something in Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. You bet on the odds yeah. of somebody winning a game or losing a game. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. Right. That's why when people talk, I mean, I, I hate to say, I hate to make it sound as salacious as gambling. Right. But in a lot of ways it is. It's just, they think it's an educated guess. Right. In some instances like this, I mean, it doesn't, if you have enough information, you follow the bank for long enough. Right. You know that, what's going on you know what's going on or you you have a feeling so I knew about the unrealized gain that they had the unrealized loss that they had mm-hmm. for quite like probably two or three weeks
1: right if you could read their financial statements you can see that they had those unrealized yeah. losses
0: so I bet you this the person saw what I saw and was like okay- mm-hmm. I'm gonna bet the market this is gonna be a bigger problem and put seventy five i mean seventy five hundred seventy five hundred dollars to like a larger investor, it's probably not a lot of money. Right. So they probably put it in just saying, you know what, I'm going to put, put this in. They probably bet the upside too. Yeah. So what if I lose both of them?
1: Yeah. But if I hit one of them. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, uh, as of right now, you know, J.P. Morgan and Charles Schwab each have $10 billion in unrealized losses. Yeah. Fuck.
2: $10
0: billion. This, that's, this is where that's accounting- as with man, a billy. Accounting's a motherfucker. Yeah. You can let that sit there forever. That So originally, Silicon Valley's idea was- they were just going to let that sit on their balance sheet and just never realize the loss. They're so, like, no. Nah, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so here, here's, here's what really got them in trouble is if that was your open position about mm-hmm. that. But then you turn around and sell almost all of your portfolio and you're like, okay, you know what guys, we're going to take the loss now. Yeah. The market's going Okay, how fucked up is your shit right. that you got to take this big of a loss now in order to quote, be better moving forward. Yes, Exactly. So like they're like what what is it we don't know. And then they added in the extra it's like,
1: sauce. It's it, it, we're doing
0: a capital raise at the same time.
1: I got a, I got a, I got a dark example. Okay, it's dark, like huh? it's like it's like having an infected bone in your finger. And if you don't cut off your finger, it's going to continue to get infected all the way up. So you got to cut off the finger now.
0: Bro, why? I'm just saying. That's why Why is. is that your example? And you'd
1: be like, "Wait, and you got to think to yourself, how messed up is your shit if you got to cut off your finger?" That's That's a pretty good example right there.
0: I heard a story on on Instagram the other day, this, I don't know why this reminds me of it, where mm-hmm. this Asian former gang member mm-hmm. was recanting a story about his friend, about how his friend called him and <laughs> said he was going to kill himself. What? And his friend was like, and he's like, you know, he asked his friend, like, you know, why why would you kill, want to kill yourself? And he said, I just got a call from a girl I slept with, and she told me I need to get a check. I probably have AIDS. Oh my god. And he didn't want to check himself. Like yeah. he, He's like, I know I've got it. He'd convinced himself that, that he had it, and that he just he just wanted to end it. Right. And he was so worried about his friend that he's like, Yo, just I'm gonna drive to your place. He lived like an hour away, like north. He's like, I'm gonna drive to your place. Like, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Gets there, the guy's in his boxers, has like a twenty two caliber gun no in way. his hand and he's just sitting there.
1: He, and that's just off him convincing himself mentally.
0: Can, well, he, he's like, Look, like I slept with her, I didn't use any protection. Yeah. She's telling me she has AIDS. You know, he's like, I, I started googling how contagious this is. He's like, I I have got it, bro. Like yeah. that that's it. Uh huh. And he, and he's like, well, what do you mean? He starts talking about his symptoms and everything else. This Asian gay member, he had found like God, and you know, and he was trying to do like this whole religious thing. He convinces the guy to go get a test, and they found some place that does like rapid testing on this stuff. Wow! And when we got a test, not only did he not have AIDS, he didn't have anything, like no STD, nothing, nothing, nothing. And the guy, the guy was talking about how like, you know, he saved his life, and you know, blah blah blah. And I'm sitting here thinking the whole time, going, this is how powerful we can convince ourselves of shit. Oh yeah. And then I started thinking about the market.
1: Of all things. I mean, it's not just it's not just like what's true, what's not true. I mean, it could be like he was ready to die. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, how you feel. Like I can I can sit here and think about a sad time with my kids and like emotionally feel really sad just instantly or a happy time.
0: Right? Well, and and this is supposed to be kind of an analogy of the market where the positivity and the way people feel is really driving. This is this is that is behavioral economics. Yeah, you can have a good day, feel great about the market, go in, and just buy and, and mm-hmm. do your thing and be positive. You can have a bad day. That is the behavioral economics. This plays both ways. Mm-hmm. In a good market, it can carry you into a bad direction. In a bad market, it can carry you into a good direction. There's really no telling, and it's a crazy thing. And here's here's the part that I'll add on top of that as a as a guy who you know went through TRT and has estrogen level spike, who <laughs> was crying while watching Peaky Blinders, had nip- nipple sensitivity in the shower, had hot flashes. Every man should go through what I went through. Why? Every man. What? Number what? one, if you're married to somebody who happens to be a female,
2: mm-hmm.
0: let me tell you right now, you will understand her physiology and her emotions a lot better. Wow, oh, so... I'm telling you, as much as we think emotion, we think that when you're kids, your emotions are all crazy, out of control. We completely overlook the chemical aspect that these things, the chemicals of estrogen and testosterone, yeah, truly change how you feel.
1: Percent. No one's doubting that. Not
0: not necessarily how you think, but how you feel. Yeah, no one's doubting that. Yeah. But it, it's it's overwhelming. It's not something that I I can I can really tangibly show somebody without them experience. I mean. My I, I look at my wife now and she tells me oh you know she's menstruating whatever it is yeah my level of appreciation and respect for what she's going through mm-hmm. is insane it, it's 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 like I get it honey I love you oh. like it's different you're a good man when she cries and does all that stuff that's why you now when you cry like a little bitch that's why you went through all I got all that, problems
1: uh, yeah I just want you to know I, I kept us from getting canceled three or four times right. <laughs> why dude all right so much to say you just say you can say <laughs> what you want I don't care about you
0: getting canceled <laughs>
1: No, if I go down, you come down with me. No,
0: nah, Arun and I will do the show together. Right, Arun? <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, sir. I is, tried, there you go. I, I tried to put Arun on the mic tonight instead of me. Let me work the back.
0: But... <laughs> work the back panel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he Just shit. wants to work in the back. He does want to work in the back. Always, he's, always, he's, he's, always, always want, want to work in your back. He, you've you know always I mean? wanted to, but you've always been in the front. I understand that. <laughs> nah. I, I get. I get the sense of confusion for you. You know. But sometimes the bigger guy just has to win. You know. You know. You're gonna tell everybody about how you completely screwed up the show tonight. How I did you blew up the plug, man. I blew up the plug. I did that, uh, I just said here's what happened. Uh-huh. deny this is the truth. oh, you said plug you, this thing in, and you plugged it in, and the thing went, but with your direction, plug this in. my direction was plugging in correctly. i did I have to say the word correctly, so we got <laughs> it was <laughs> it was plugged in correctly. there was there's three prongs. I gotta Come be honest man. with you. I've plugged three prongs in a step before,
1: and nothing blew up, yeah, well, for everyone to know, we got we're inching closer to have cameras set up. And then we took a minor step back tonight.
0: Just a, it was minor, a baby one. Minor? Yeah, yeah. Arun. He, he blew, almost blew the entire studio up. Wow. We Bro, smelled it smelled smoke. like smoke. Yeah, it's true, smoke. see? We didn't rehearse this. That was just candid truth. Coming from a very truthful man who sounds heavy at the moment. Listen, I'll let y'all have this. Sounds heavy. This guy, didn't he promise the listeners he was going to start working out? You did promise listeners he was going to start I gonna out. I wasn't going to call you
1: out. But now that you dropped on Chris's side.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, he is eating right, though. Except for that pizza he had today.
1: Yeah. <laughs> pizza he had today. He had... He had a Japanese barbecue yesterday. So you
0: haven't been eating healthy. What, well, how did he, you... Yeah, Wait, the guy, I just had a bunch of protein he, yesterday.
1: He, oh, a bunch of protein. The guy with gout decides to go to a, a Japanese
0: barbecue that only cooks beef. Yeah, chicken. This guy's reckless, yo. Did you go by yourself to the Japanese barbecue? Nah, I went with my baby. My <laughs> eight-month-old. You and the eight-month-old went to the Japanese barbecue? And the wife. And the wife, okay. Yeah. Y'all don't, it's y- still
1: very odd for me that he's outside the room.
0: I love it. <laughs> smells better in here
1: yeah yeah it smells way better here. <laughs> we don't
0: have his feet pointing at us Hey, you know that's a young person thing that hey hey, hey. i haven't um i haven't figured out a, a, a proper way to incorporate that into my lexicon like hey. i can just see myself walking into an investor meeting going like hey guys hey it doesn't sound the same I. Right. the next time you're in
1: one of those meetings i need you to try to drop sus <laughs> and just see what
0: Dude, have I ever told you? What's going on
1: in the market today, guys, is really sus. I don't really understand.
0: This is a true story, okay? I fly up to Sacramento, and uh, I was invited to at the time. I think it was a chief credit officer panel. And I, I probably got a little carried away, but I, I knew that I was going to be by far the youngest guy. I was probably like 20 years younger than, than, than the next youngest guy in the room. Got it. And it's a panel of three, and I'm one of the three people. Maybe it was four. And um, these these are all older stodgier people who've been around like 100, hundred two hundred year old institutions bank institutions that were not as big as ours right and we at the time we were like a nine ten year old old institution mm-hmm. and um it's a room full of bankers that are very traditional state's capital you know yeah all in suits and and you know i was I was dressed in a suit, but I had like you know white tennis shoes on right um, <laughs> i clearly didn't didn't line with these people so I was like you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna embrace my differences here okay so I, I they started saying some stuff like oh you know we're, we're a billion in size and I'm like if you don't grow a billion a year you're not even trying <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just yeah I, I'm just dropping quotes just to, just just to be stigmatizing right yeah. you
1: just want to be remembered
0: so I just want to I just want to be the guy like I know you gotta remember what I look like yeah so and then I, that towards the end of this thing I, I could tell I, it was inflammatory enough I'm like how do I how do I end this in a way yeah. where I, I can I can stand out? Yeah.
1: Okay, like the cherry on top.
0: So I quoted Jay-Z. No, you did not. I did. I, did. I quoted Jay-Z. I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman. <laughs> I you did it. Like one dude. Did you know, anybody get it? One guy in the room was in the back. It was like this. Jay Z. And I'm like, yeah. I was about to
2: ask, did anyone give you a slow clap?
0: There was one guy and he yeah, <laughs> gave me a slow like, clap. Respect. And he was honestly you know the one corniest looking dude in the room you would never expect in a I million years. I love that. But I hearken back. Remember remember Bobby? Of course. Bobby would walk around and Bob was a six foot four, six foot five, uh middle aged white guy, probably in his eh, fit late fifties, I would mm-hmm. say. We've talked about him on the show before. He wore white
1: shirts with his suits all week long and then with a tie. And then on Fridays, he'd rock a blue shirt.
0: With a tie. With a tie. That was casual Friday. Yeah. And he had his Bobisms that we started to write down. I used one today. Did you drop it?
1: Yeah. Uh, I told somebody at the office they were staying late to, to work. And this listener listens to the show, so shout out. He'll, he'll remember when he hears it. And I said, um, hey, if you stay past midnight, order pizza. Mm. Classic.
0: Classic Bobby. Bobby and I are really close. He's... It was a mentor and friend in a lot of ways. He got adult inside that diabetes, and that that uh, it was a transitionary period in his career, and we started working out together, which was really cool. I remember that. And uh, God, I was so pissed off, 24 Hour Fitness. They accused me of training him, and I'm like, we're working out together. Yeah. At the time, I was in incredible shape, and kudos, he was fucking doing the exact same workout I was. We he were doing crazy was, ass put, workouts. He was pushing himself. We were literally, so we would do like, um, we would do. So we go to the bench press, right? Mm-hmm. Do a set of ten, and then we do a lap around the track. Come back and do a set of ten. Oh man! And we would nonstop work. I remember that twenty four hour fitness. So that we, was such a good one. We would go from that to to the next. We would do like legs. And we, I mean, so we were doing like a, a traditional bodybuilder split, but in between each set, we were sprinting. Jeez, man! And this was a dude who's a diabetic, who was, at the time overweight. And he we're was trying to kill this man. He, no, dude, I, he's like, I'm gonna do your workout, bro, and I'm like, Are you sure? Yeah. You might die. He every single fucking workout, that guy came in and he put out work. Yeah, the best And part, then I was livid when they accused me of training him. How
1: old how old was Bobby back then?
0: I think he was in his late fifties.
1: He was in his late fifties and he would go around and behind closed doors meetings, he would he would cite gangster rap.
0: So that's why I brought him up. Yeah. Is it was not uncommon for this very buttoned up professional banker Love this to quote NWA like vintage songs. Easy E. No Vaseline was like a constant. Unreal, dude. And he was just, just, he was just there. He knew yeah. every single, he'd, be, he'd turn up the volume of my car, I'd be like, bro, this is a good one. I'd be like, look at him. He'd know every goddamn word.
1: Oh, man. New
0: school, old school.
1: He was cool, man. I was hoping for
0: just one of him in the audience. I got yeah. it, though. You got it. I got one. Although, yeah. Oh, I wasn't okay. invited back. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: You know what I was like, I don't remember you talking about this the following year. I was never, yeah, I was never invited back. Yeah, there I've been to some conferences I got invited back to, but unfortunately, yeah. none of those got got rap quotes. Yeah. Apparently, that's not really uh, well appreciated. and graduated making. from that. You know, and I will admit on the show, only I think I've told you this, uh, I've decided it's time for me to grow up. What does that mean? Yeah, no, right? It means my usual sarcastic banter and having a good time in the office has got to stop. Wow. That's yeah. unfortunate. I mean, behind closed doors with friends, but... um. I always didn't want to change who I was in the workplace. I know that banking is stuffy and professional, but I always wanted to be me. Yeah. And I know uh, a
1: lot of people appreciated that too, though.
0: I think they did. I think in some, in some instances it was very disarming for other people. Yes. Is, you know, trying to be witty and have it loose and have a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has created its problems, its problems with me, you know, lawsuits, anger, people accusing me of stuff, hostile work environments, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and I think more than anything, it's not for everyone, right? Yeah, and that's the problem. It's like you, you when your company's small, you want to pick who you work with, and you want to pick people who get along with it. But when your company's bigger, it's it, you don't get to pick, yeah. quite everybody, you know. And not everybody's gonna vibe the same way, right? I mean, granted, when I was younger, I stood on a woman's and that's desk.
1: That's fine too. But that's no, that that's who fine. Who was
0: devoutly Catholic and said that I'm Jesus? Yeah, it was straight out of Wolf of Wall Street before Wolf of Wall Street was a thing. Yeah, but, but look, uh, that's
1: fine. That's fine too. Not the Jesus part, but like people people not vibing people not vibing with you the same exact way as long as they as long as people get their work done and everyone can work together that's all that matters
0: i've just decided at this point in time that it's it's not about me wanting to be more of an adult because i don't ever want to grow up Mm -hmm. it's more about it's just better for the for everybody
1: yeah it makes work it makes work more enjoyable doesn't feel like work
0: No, 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 no. But I, I think it's better for everybody that I don't.
1: That you don't. But I'm saying in the past, yeah.
0: In the past, yeah. I was trying to make it a more enjoyable place to work. Yeah. But I can tell you, I I just don't think it's it's valued like that anymore. Yeah.
1: And if it's not valued, then I mean, what are
0: you doing it for? So you know, serious Chris, brother. I mean, you are kind of obnoxious.
2: On that note. (laughs) (laughs) On that note. Chris, I want to ask you this question since I know you use ChatGPT.
0: You're not gonna, you're not gonna cut this off and say that that's not true. No. Oh, Oh, okay, (laughs) that's fine.
2: Um, did you guys hear about the Slack creating its own AI tool to help assist with responses, emails, and summarizing like threads and channels?
0: Bro, why do we even have humans anymore? This is (laughs) like, what are we doing here?
1: Yeah, the the universe is just preparing itself for Thanos to come around, just snaps finger, half y'all gone. See ya,
0: bye. Bro, Thanos, you, it's gonna be Elon Musk. Elon, yeah, he's gonna find all the Infinity Stones, this guy. <laughs> it's gonna be Elon Musk. He's building a city in Texas. That is crazy. I saw that. Yeah. He wants all his workers to live there. So he's like, let me get this straight. And they show this picture of his beautiful suburb. <laughs> y'all and, I'm like, and I'm like, fuck you. Hey. I know what he's building. He's building boxables. to yeah. be little, like, Bro, 500 square like, oh, foot oh, apartments. And y'all wanna work from home? All yeah. right, your home's gonna be here. Yeah, and you're tapped into the system, and we got cameras in your house. Get to work. <laughs> I'm watching you.
1: Yeah, that's so
0: crazy. This is your conscious. That is so crazy. This guy's yeah. like, like,
1: okay, this is, I know I'm gonna occupy Mars, yeah. but I'm gonna occupy Texas first. You say I'm gonna colonize Texas. They, yeah. like, they like Mars. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I saw the article and I'm like, seriously? Like, you got too much money now, bro. Bro, like you've gone like, to an extreme. Who thinks like this? Who thinks like this? Is- he's the richest man in the world. If I was the richest man in the world, I'm telling you right now, I'd be doing some zany shit too. Yeah. I'd be trying, to, I want a red pool, but I don't want the pool cement to be red i want the water to be red figure it out
1: honestly i don't even i'd be
0: doing some weird shit
1: yeah i saw the um somebody at work today showed me the house the the guy or the person i don't even know if it's a guy but um the person that won the two billion dollar lotto
0: no yeah dude 25 and, million dollar the, home the two, he bought
1: $25 million dollar home i was like damn son
0: like i instantly hated that dude they didn't show a photo of him they showed the photo of the house i'm like i fucking don't like that guy i was
1: like i love that i love everything about this house but i was like kudos to you man for no nah. For, nope. set up, for selling for 25 I'm minutes. a
0: petty motherfucker. I could not get over that <laughs> house. I was like, fuck you. You don't deserve to live next to Ariana Grande. Uh, can you imagine well, me moving in, the riffraff moving in? Just being like, I now run this. I'd be a total degenerate the first week. i li- I like, literally walk around like going to my neighbor's house and be like, hey, look, I'm your new neighbor. Here's $100. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: so good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if somebody asked me why, I'd be like, why what? Why, yeah. <laughs> why are you giving me the $100? Yeah. Why'd you take it? Time is money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> time is money, baby.
1: Alduin oh, lives for these conversations. Uh, him and my uh, these conversations. Yeah, he lo- Oh my god, the he what if, if
0: I got rich one day? Yeah, conversations. Yeah, if I
1: hit the lotto one day, I I tell people I can't have this conversation because I don't buy lotto tickets.
0: I don't buy. I don't, I don't, I don't deserve to. I, I call them poor people tax. <laughs> I don't. I don't pay poor people tax. I don't.
1: I don't deserve to have this dream because I don't even buy the ticket.
0: Oren, oh, you got you've lived out this dream. You ever like get peer pressure into that shit though? A million times. It's yeah. the fucking why, and dude, I should have known you play, play lotto all the time. <laughs> oh no, no, no I do you, You're the kind of guy who plays a lotto, and for the entire week until that whatever numbers come out or some shit, you're like fantasizing about balling out hard. <laughs> oh
2: yeah, <laughs> my all, sister and I do this all the time. That's all people. Why? That's all people. Your do. Your wife?
1: She dreams about it. She doesn't buy lotto tickets though. That's that's even more weird. Yeah, <laughs> she, she fantasizes about What would I do well, You don't know, you know, <laughs> And winning <laughs> Truth be told You want to hear something crazy Her her first purchase That she would want to do Is somehow become A minority owner Of an NBA team She just wants to be An owner of an NBA team that, that, Why would that Be your first purchase That's
0: what she wants to do There's somehow. so many better First purchases than that I don't know man What I would your first I, purchase be I don't play this game I no, told they're you I'm just saying like, if, if you got A hundred million dollars uh-huh. Yeah What would you buy
1: I'd buy the higher standard and Make sure you come to work Every day <laughs>
0: <laughs> you don't need a hundred million dollars, bro. You I know. At this point in time, you need like fifty yeah. bucks. Speaking of which, this show is still sponsored by nobody. Yeah, <laughs> brought to you by nobody. Yeah, catered for nobody. Yeah, we're not only a nobody, we're also a client. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's not good.
1: Yeah. All right. So you asked me that question. Why don't you wrap up the show with what would you buy first
0: with hundred million dollars?
1: hundred million dollars. Nothing.
0: An ETF. I would put a that, Vanguard Fund. I would put that shit in my in my bank account. I'd keep it in cash. I'd earn 5% and Uh I'd look at it every day for a week. Until until there's
1: a run on the banks and you only get $250,000? Would you (laughs) quit? Would
0: you quit work? Uh, No, in all the truth, I I, I wouldn't keep it in the account. What I would do is I would probably start diversifying the investments pretty quickly into real estate, regardless of what the economy looked like.
2: Yeah,
0: Um, And I would spread it out, obviously, among several banks and several wealth advisory firms. And then I would hire somebody else to manage it all.
1: Yeah, I'm hiring a CPA and I'm hiring a CPA to
0: do manage my CPA. Yeah, y'all can get paid your commissions. Yeah, but you know, and but I would not quit my job. I would not change my life at all. Yeah. At this point in time, like I'm not loving what I'm doing right now. I love the people that that mm-hmm. are there, mm-hmm. and I want to see this thing through. Whatever that is, whatever that journey is, like I right. want to see it through. Yeah. Would
2: you feel comfortable enough to move out of your place that you have now
0: man i know that people think i'm crazy living in, in the I mean, 1180 square foot right mm-hmm. and it's small and we do need a bigger place it's not crazy man here's here's like a i'm gonna drop a jam on everybody out there when you get into a fight with your spouse or you and your kid like mm-hmm. are farther away in a house it's different when you got space in between you yes like my wife and i we sleep in a queen bed that's all we can fit in our bedroom it's not a big bedroom right it's not a king i'm a big ass dude yeah. you know but it's like this built-in proximity. I, I'm I'm gonna miss that proximity. I'm right. gonna miss being close. My wife's my best friend, man. Yeah, like I want to be around her. I, mean, and I know I'm it annoys right the shit out of her I'm some right, days. I
1: mean, I'm right here, man. I have feelings.
0: I know you got feelings, bro. But I've been I've made so many advances, <laughs> and you just don't reciprocate.
1: I know what you mean. No, I mean. I mean, I mean, our house, our house is only 1,900 square feet, but you, right. the house, the house is the house is small. So I like that idea too. That I mean, your palazzo,
0: my palazzo, it's not a palazzo. <laughs> you get that. That $4,000 a month mortgage payment, bro. Wait, come on, man. Well, so hard. Why are you putting my shit out there like that? I, I'm just putting your shit out. You already put on the show. I did it. Arun's $4,700. Yeah, he did. I know, I know his numbers, too. <laughs> Every single time I make a mortgage payment, I think to myself, I say $3,000 compared <laughs> to Arun. i <laughs>
2: <That's> so fucked.
0: <laughs> a lot of silence coming over there from the peanut gallery right now.
1: <laughs> Me, too. It's okay. It's okay. But, yeah. no, I like, I like the thought and the idea of that, too. That a smaller house.
0: You flipped me off to the window. Yeah. One of the best investments we ever made. Yeah. um, Yeah, man. It, it's it's bizarre, but I like it. I like it a lot. I, would, I don't know that I would move. I mean, I, we, we got to move at some point in time. I just, I don't know when that's going to be. Yeah. I keep looking for like a catalyst. And at, the, at this point in time, like I'm moving just to piss off Dave Ramsey. I'm not moving to piss off Dave Ramsey. Yeah. Like I'm going to wait to get a good deal. And then when I, I'm going to send like the Zillow price before, yeah. the, the price that I bought it at, like in pictures. Yeah. In a package, unmarked Dave Ramsey. To the, to the Ramsey Network mm-hmm. with, you know, some kind of expletive. Something. Eat something, kiss something, bite something, you know, whatever. Maybe a thank you note with an American Express black card on it. <laughs> oh, today was the first time anybody ever called me out on that shit. Called? What do you mean? I went to that hibachi food truck mm-hmm. out in front of the office. Man, you'd
1: be eating at food trucks.
0: Bro, man. don't judge me. Not all food trucks are fatty.
1: Come on, man. That I was... literally
0: had filet and rice. That's it. That
1: food truck was so wildly expensive. I didn't buy anything. But I knew two people that went and it was I looked I looked I looked, I, yeah. I looked at the prices,
0: I'm like, You guys are spending thirty dollars on a food truck? I had twenty minutes for lunch, man. So I just walked down there, grabbed some food, walked back up But it was it was literally jasmine white rice and and like fillet.
1: All right. So you see you know when we talk when Jerome Powell was talking about services inflation? Yeah. Exactly <laughs> what the fuck he's talking about. That food
0: truck's ridiculous. But the dude's like, Hey man, you drive a Porsche? And I'm like, I'm six five, like two fifty, bro. <laughs> yeah. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, you know my son riding his little like plastic Tesla. Yeah. <laughs> he barely fits now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm like, I'm poor anyway. He looks at me. because goes, you just paid it a black card, bro. Yeah. And I'm like, it was fake. He's like, I've seen fake ones. And I oh, go, oh. wow, he analyzed it. Oh yeah. And I'm like, how do you know when they're fake? He's like, well, I've seen a couple of them. He's like the funniest one though, is a guy took a Sharpie and colored colored over a, a platinum card with black ink. I like that. I respect that. And, but he's like, I'm like, how did you know? And he's like, you I mean, did it come off on your hand? He's like, no, it still said platinum at the top of it. It was just covered in black. <laughs> that's good. I,
1: thought I, myself- hope, I hope he did it as like a prank. <laughs> I just to thought, be thought funny. to
0: myself, like, that's fucked up. I hope he did it to be funny. Can you imagine if, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> if, so if like, you're out of the club and you're trying to like, yo, my back on, I got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your hands, like- your hands all sweaty, starts to rub off. No, no, but I got, I got a good idea for a YouTube video I'm gonna do, I'll we'll leave a in the show with this, but. Uh, I want to get like one of those like small tiny mini cameras, right? And yeah. Just like put it on like my chest or like around my neck or something like that mm-hmm. and just go different places and pay with like the black card and yeah. show people that nobody gives a shit. Yeah. Nobody cares. Like nobody cares. Like you don't get better service. Right. You don't get, there's like no like band that comes out when you pay for shit. Right. Like no one's like so clapping. Bad. No one's clapping as you walk out. Yeah. Yeah. Like you don't put it in the gas, you know, no the rose gas. Yeah. No, one's throwing rose petals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not Prince Akeem.
1: Yeah, oh, good reference.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I just thought of the scene where he was taking a bath. <laughs> uh, me too. I, and I wanted to say it. I wanted to say it so bad. Yeah, that, does, that does not happen at home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: not neither. Me too.
0: I'm at the point of my marriage. Baby, you want to take a shower with me? What? No. Why? <laughs> why would I do that? No. Yeah, exactly. So, sorry, you want to take a shower with me? No. Why would I do that? <laughs> See, we're a married couple. Well, as all married couples do, good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts.